we ended up in this mountaintop village, which is stunning. By turning up in a tuk-tuk, the village people are the ones who go, wow. So it puts it all on its head. Rather than me going to see if I could find somewhere to stay and if I could bring people to visit and stuff, there was this immediate contact. It was just brilliant. This is Jed Brown, founder of Low Season Traveller, and on today's show, we're going to look at a familiar destination in Southeast Asia, but seen in an unfamiliar way. Today's guest, Bruce Haxton, is the founder and CEO of The Tuk Tuk Club, which runs tours of Chiang Mai and Northern Thailand in, well, you've guessed it, Tuk Tuks, without a doubt, Thailand's most iconic form of transport. Bruce had been traveling and living in Thailand for many years after having run tourism businesses in the region for well over a decade when he happened upon the idea of talking his Thai friend into lending him his tuk-tuk so Bruce could get out and explore more of Thailand. What happened next literally changed his life. Bruce enjoyed such a positive experience whereby his interactions with the locals were heightened every time he turned up to a new village in his tuk-tuk. When he returned from this trip, he was so overawed with the experience, he decided to set up a new company so that others could experience Northern Thailand in a more authentic way, just as he had done. I caught up with Bruce to find out more about Northern Thailand and why it's best experienced from a tuk-tuk in the low season. Enjoy. So good morning, Bruce, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Good morning to you too. Great to uh, great to have you here. I should say good afternoon because it's... Uh, it's late afternoon, early evening there, right? It is, yeah, yeah. Just the end of the day, the lovely sunset just going down here. Beautiful. V- very different from where I am right now. <laughs> I can imagine. So, um, so Bruce, uh, you've had a, a, a long and rich history with Thailand and with Northern Thailand in particular. I'd like to just start by, you know, if you could just tell us the story of your relationship with Thailand. Gosh, well, I could bore you for years with that, Jed, but um, I first came to Thailand in 1988, like like many young people, with a backpack on my shoulders and was blown away by how beautiful it was and so many different experiences. It's changed a lot since then, but I thought I'd never work here. I'd seen some people walking around in, in suits and ties looking like they were about to melt, and I just thought, no, that's not for me. But lo and behold, a couple of years later, I was here working. And that was in the early mid-90s. And ever since then, really, I've been strongly connected with Thailand, either living, working here, or uh, sending business here in terms of the travel industry, and and had a home here since, oh, crikey, when? Since about 2002, 2003. Um, So, yeah, it's been a long part of my life, uh, Thailand. I've personally, I've never been to to northern Thailand, um, although it is on my uh, on my on my hit list on my bucket list. Um, I've been to the islands many times, and I guess a lot of people that are listening might have travelled to the islands of Thailand, uh, but perhaps they've never visited northern Thailand. How is the how is the experience different in northern Thailand from the from the islands and beaches for those that haven't been there? For me, it's chalk and cheese. Uh, The islands and the beaches can be beautiful. Um, In fact, many of them are stunning. But the north of Thailand's just got a real magic. Um, You're a million miles away from sunburns, speedboats, and all this sort of stuff. It's a far more laid-back way of life. Scenery is just out of this world. Uh, And the people, this sounds a a bit crass maybe, but the people in northern Thailand remind me of how southern Thailand was 30 years ago when I went there, sort of very gentle, laid back, uh, and life was a little bit slower. Um, 
Southern Thailand seems to have speeded up a bit. Northern Thailand still has that charm. Is it similar then to, to the way in which it was 20 years ago? It's not, not quite as, uh, I guess, commercial as, as Southern Thailand? Um, yeah, I mean, there still are. There still is. Chiang Mai is a thriving city and it's very, very busy, um, both with, you know, it's a busy uh, commercial area and very busy with visitors. Mm. But once you get an hour outside of the city, um, it, it is, a, I don't like saying stepping back in time because I feel that might be rude to the people who live there. Yes. Um, but in terms of my sense, it hits all the things I enjoyed 30 years ago while still being up to date, if that if that makes any sense at all. Yeah. Uh, people have got more time for each other. Um, I think that you're not surrounded by coach loads and coach loads of other people. I enjoy that. I'm not a crowd person. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just have that lovely, you, you see that natural, honest smile greeting more than perhaps you do where people's lives are much busier. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Do um, I guess then do the the I mean the Thais are famed for their for their hospitality, and I guess that sort of stretches into the people from northern Thailand as well, right? Absolutely. I think in my experience, I've, I've been all over Thailand um, more times than I can count, and the north always sticks out as being a very very genuinely warm place to visit. Um, the northeast is also very open and genuine. Um, but the North's got something special about it. That people seem to have time for visitors in Northern Thailand. I love that. And what types of people travel to Northern Thailand? What kind of tourists or travellers do you tend to get in Northern Thailand? Yeah, that's a really good question, Jed. And part of me would say, well, all sorts. Um, I mean, that classic Thailand holiday is still Bangkok for two or three nights, a couple of nights in Chiang Mai, and then a week at a beach. Um, but I think the people who get out of Chiang Mai, let's say, out of Chiang Mai City, mm. tends to be those who are looking for, for a little more greenery rather than seaside. Um, they're not as interested in, in broiling on the beach. Um, and they want to sort of get away from the crowds and just experience something a little bit different. So you, you still get, you get the full range of age groups um, and uh, source countries. But it just seems to be people who've got that extra little bit of interest in perhaps the culture, the flora, the fauna, um, all that sort of stuff, without making people sound boring. We're not talking people going around, you know, with I spy books ticking off every plant they see. But it's people who just want to see something a little bit different that perhaps you can't get anywhere else in the world. You, you've obviously based yourself uh, in, in northern Thailand and you've set up your company called the Tuk Tuk Club which is a brilliant uh, idea and a brilliant concept. Talk us, through, talk us through the concept and talk us through how you came to, yeah, how you came up with the idea, I guess. Well, firstly, thanks, Jed. Um, yeah. Secondly, just cut me off when I send you to sleep because I could talk about this for hours. Brilliant. Um, the concept came from, I've been working in travel a long time um, and I moved back to Thailand six years ago. I was working for a great, great company but involved in um, adventure, soft adventure travel. And I was looking around at what everybody else does and the competitors do. Uh, it felt to me that soft adventure travel, which is most adventure travel, was getting a bit samey and all a bit boring. Now, that's very much an insider's view because the people traveling with those companies were having a superb time because there are some awesome companies out here. Um, but it just felt to me it was all a bit samey, samey, and where's the adventure gone? 
you know, where's the slightly unknown bit of travel gone? So that had been ticking around my head for a while. Then I've always sort of loved tuk-tuks, but I've never been one of those guys who would have a few beers on in the middle of Bangkok and persuade a tuk-tuk driver to let me have a go. <laughs> so eventually, I've known, I know a tuk-tuk driver on the outskirts of Bangkok, known him 25 years. Um, and after many discussions, one of his friends agreed to rent me his tuk-tuk for a few weeks, which was okay. a huge, gosh, that man, you know, I've got so much to thank him for, but wow, he trusted me. Um, so myself and a friend, we just head off, headed off to the north thinking, let's explore the mountains by tuk-tuk. Everybody said you couldn't do it. They said, oh, tuk-tuks can't go up mountains. Uh, and in some cases with this particular tuk-tuk, they were right. What we also didn't realize was that LPG gas isn't the greatest fuel to have in the Hong Kong province because there aren't many places you can buy gas. Um, <laughs> a few thousand kilometers and a few weeks later, I got home and I was buzzing. Uh, it was the best travel experience I'd had for such a long time. And I sort of thought, well, if I've been knocking around in travel for a long time, I've been lucky enough to do some great things and visit some wonderful places. But if my, if sort of I've got excited by this and I won't stop talking about it, then A, it would be rude not to share it with others and B, you know, why wouldn't other people enjoy it? Um, so then there was a whole load of thumb-sucking and navel-gazing as to how we do it. But, but that was effectively why, why I set up the Tuk Tuk Club. I had a, an absolutely fantastic experience. And the friend who went with me, who's Thai, also was blown away by the places he saw and the people we met uh, and i just thought th this must work you know this is what a great opportunity for people who want to do something a little bit different so we fast forward the clock uh, and here we are um with the tuk tuk club taking people around northern thailand fantastic and tell us a little bit about um i was looking on the on the website and we've spoken about it before about the kind of uh, reception that you get when you arrive on a tuk-tuk tell us what it's like for these for these travelers that uh, that join you on these tours and travel in the tuk-tuks what kind of a reception do they get when they pull into these um, these areas of northern thailand these villages i, I think jed you've hit on one of the the sort of highlights and the intangibles that we we're lucky enough to have we will pull up to a village or a town or a community and firstly a tuk-tuk itself is a is a rarity in those areas so it's a bit of a novelty then to see foreigners with them is even more of a novelty and, and what seems to happen is instead of the traveler jumping out of their vehicle to take photos it's the other way around um we get people can we take selfies with you rather than the other way around which i think turns the whole tourism dynamic on its head in a very nice way and it immediately breaks down those barriers everybody's got something to talk about that's sort of a natural conversation rather than the sort of same old same old oh what are you planting now what are you harvesting next week there seems to be a very natural human reaction between both parties and the tuk-tuk facilitates that it seems to me anyway absolutely i absolutely love that and then in terms of the the, the tours that you run you, you run do you run different tours all around northern thailand or is it uh, one sort of set itinerary which you tend to follow well we have four different trips that, and the difference is durations we have a one day four day no we don't we have a one day three day five day and 11 day adventure now they all follow their own itinerary um the, the reason we do that jed is that we want to make sure that the experience is managed, 
Um, you know, it may be something different and adventurous, but that doesn't mean people traveling don't don't deserve and quite rightly deserve you know, five star service and the best experience. Um, we also need to make sure that the routes we take are appropriate and we also want to ensure that the places we visit um, are happy to be visited um, by not just one person but maybe a group of 10 people. We, we don't want to turn up unannounced um, and upset anybody. So, so they do follow set itineraries but that also means that um, you know, we're, not doing, we're not taking 100 people a day around these itineraries so it's still a very exclusive um, very unique experience. You know, there's not a coach load of people turning up. And then, um, in terms of these uh, the, the tours that you have in the itineraries, what um, what are the must do and see things to experience on on a trip to Northern Thailand? You know, w- which are the most popular tours for you, or the most popular, I guess, um, sites on the um, on the tours? Well, I mean, our, our trips, the most popular are the one day trip because everybody who comes to Chiang Mai can do that, and then our eleven day trip which really is, the 11-day trip really is the highlights, the sort of the non-known highlights of Chiang Mai and Hong Song. Uh, I'm not saying they're all secret, far from it, but they're not widely visited. I think for anybody, on people on our trips, that the highlights tend to be, we visit some very remote rural temples and we make merit there. um, And the adventure has a blessing. And we spend a lot of time um, translating between the monks uh, and the, our group of travellers, uh, people really enjoy that because they're the only people who go to that temple and they feel it's a very unique, rightly, experience. The, the scenery is incredible. Some of the villages we pass through are absolutely wonderful and they're not, they're, they're not sort of designated ecotourism villages. Nothing wrong with that. But what I mean is they're not on the main route of anyone. So you tend to see exactly what is a working village rather than a village that's got a couple of coffee shops set up for the tour group that come through. Um, other than that, I would say Mehongsong town is a huge highlight. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a beautiful place. I don't understand why more people don't go there. Um, it, it's one of the jewels of anyone's trip to northern Thailand. Um, and also a small town called Mer Salieng, which is... Sort of, it's pretty much the last town. When you head west from Chiang Mai, it's pretty much the last town before, well, it is the last town before you get to the Burmese border. Uh, And it's a wonderful place. Um, Best summed up by the fact you always get the feeling that the people who live there are really happy to see you. But likewise, they really wouldn't mind if you weren't there. Uh, And for me, that's always been the best place to travel to. It's the perfect mix, isn't it? Perfect balance. Yeah, and and so our travellers really enjoy that because... They get made to feel very welcome and they can experience a really nice small Thai town going about its business. But there's no, there's no one trying to sell anything. There's no one, um, you know, it just feels very natural. In terms of uh, the times to go and the, the, the busy times, and I know that Thailand generally has different sort of seasons. Talk us through the, the different seasons that you have in northern Thailand. Well, in the north, I mean, the high season really is... Uh, mid-November through till mid-February because the, the weather's fantastic. There's blue skies. There might be a bit of rain, but blue skies. Not as hot during the day, sort of low 20s, early 30s. And the evenings, particularly up in the mountains, can get pretty cold, yep. which, is a, which is a really nice sort of contrast to, during the day. And that's a busy time for international visitors, but also for Thai travellers coming up to the north. Um, it's a wonderful time, but the busiest time. Then we head into the hot season, which we're just heading into now. I was chatting to you earlier. It was about 38 this afternoon. Um, 
the hot season is hot, surprisingly, but you still get lovely, cooler mornings and evenings. It's not the Bangkok heat where you're still sweating at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. And once you get up into the mountains, it just takes that, that edge off things. So I, I quite like the hot season because you tend to see sort of life at a bit more raw level. The, you know, the, the rice isn't growing. Um, the leaves are beginning to fall off. And it just feels, just feels you're seeing life a little bit more on the edge. Um, you know, is it going to rain? Is the harvest going to be good? I find that's quite an interesting time to visit somewhere. Then you hit the rainy season, which um, a lot of people avoid... Um, the north of Thailand, like the plague in the rainy season, I, I would suggest that the rainy season is one of the best times to come. It's really? quieter. Um, the rains can be spectacular. Um, it's rare that it rains. This is a typical thing people say, isn't it? Oh, it doesn't rain all day. It can rain all day, but it's rare. But yeah. you get huge downpours that just take the, take the breath away. Um, everything is so green. The waterfalls are incredible the flowers are out the rice is grown you get that beautiful green color of the rice when it's three quarters grown yeah. um, and everything feels fresh because when the rain comes down you get that lovely smell um, and it just freshens everything up so i find it a really really nice time to travel um, you don't come to northern thailand to sit in the sun you know it's not a beach holiday um, and when it's cloudy it just takes the edge off the heat and you can go out you can do so much more without getting overheated. So, you know, I really like the rainy season. Very good. And, and the, the rainy season, does that tend to be, uh, you're sort of saying it's not as popular with the international visitors. Does it tend to be the quieter time in terms of uh, tourism and visitors? Yeah, it does. Now, in sort of July, June, July, August, you still get a little uptick in visitors from the European sort of university school holiday times. Um, so you get that little uptake, but it is, um, particularly once you get to September, October, can be pretty quiet, um, which we find great. For us, it's still pretty busy, because um, I think we attract a slightly different different kind of traveller, yep. but overall it's quite busy, uh, uh, sorry, quite quiet, and I'd really urge people to come at that time of year, because you get a really great sense of just how beautiful the area is. Fantastic. And in terms of uh, your own personal recommendations and top tips to get the most out of a trip to the region for anybody that's thinking about um, coming along to Northern Thailand in 2019? Well, firstly, I would say come on a tuk-tuk club adventure. Um, but I'd have to say that, wouldn't I? Um, but but if, if tuk-tuks aren't your thing and you, want to, and you want to do your own thing or you're traveling independently or you don't have time to do a tuk-tuk adventure, the biggest advice I would have is yeah, see the main sites. You know, Wat Doi Sutep is beautiful, but it's very busy. Um, but maybe have a look at places that aren't on uh, the sort of mainstream mainstream uh, tours. So if you're only going to visit one temple, go to Wat Doi Kam rather than Wat Doi Sutep. Great view still, really interesting temple. You rarely see anyone other than Thai people there. And that adds a little bit extra, um, I think, to any travel experience to see what to see what the people who live here are doing. Um, my, my other big tip is get out of the city and spend some time sort of in the places that you wouldn't know why are you there. Sort of slow down, soak it up, spend time in a village, just, just sitting, sitting down watching the world go by. For me, that's where you get the best out of this part of the world. Um, and if you're a sort of a health enthusiastic, Get on a bike and cycle. The cycling in uh, the north of Thailand is amazing. And again, it's a great way to see 
the countryside and the people because you're going slow enough to take it all in. Um, but my key thing is get off the beaten track. Don't go to a don't go to the most famous riverside restaurant. Go to somewhere like Mina, which is the most beautiful food in an amazing setting. And again, you very rarely see visitors go in there uh, because it's maybe a little harder to get to. But just be creative, and you'll have an amazing time in the north. This sounds perfect. And um, one last question for me is, uh, in, in terms of the, the profile of visitors, you kind of touched on it there before, that a lot of visitors that, that you're seeing that are coming to Northern Thailand, and certainly that are joining you on the, the Tuk Tuk Club tours, tend to be those who are looking for more of an authentic experience and more of a sort of a cultural experience. Is, that, is, there, is there any particular age group, or is it, does it sort of cross all boundaries, that type of tourism in Northern Thailand? I think, well, it, both from what we do and then also seeing what goes on around us, I think it really does cross all boundaries. Um, ourselves, we've had trips with the youngest traveller being 18 and the oldest being 80 on the same trip um, and all getting on famously. Yeah. Um, we see a lot of young travellers um, coming up to northern Thailand uh, and we see a lot of sort of more experienced older people. So I think it's a mindset rather than an age thing. Um, and I honestly think that once you see Northern Thailand, it's one of those places that <clears throat> until you get here, I can understand why people think, oh, yes, Bangkok and a beach. But take a few days out of the beach and you will not regret it coming to the north of Thailand because it is so, the people are charming, the food's great, the, and the whole climate and atmosphere is just wonderful. Um, and beaches are, be you know, beaches are beaches. You, there are beautiful beaches all over the world. There's only one Northern Thailand. Love that. And for any listeners out there who are looking to, to join you um, on the Tuk Tuk Club tours, uh, they can visit your website, which is the tuktukclub.com, I believe, correct? That's right. Yeah, that's right, Jed. Yeah. And also on Facebook and Instagram. Yes. Yeah, we, we, I think if you want to get an idea of what we do, try and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We, we post images from every trip pretty much every day. Uh, and then the website's got video clips and all sorts so that you can sort of see, hopefully see, it shows not just what the Tuk Tuk Club's about, but sort of the magic of Northern Thailand as well. Absolutely. I was checking out your Instagram feed before and um, some of the images on there with the Tuk Tuks uh, were just absolutely incredible. Uh, incredible images and some uh, incredibly picturesque scenes uh, as well, which was certainly uh, tempting me in as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, Jed. And the beauty is the scenes, I mean, the photos don't do it justice because they're all taken on an iPhone or a Samsung or something. So you can imagine just how beautiful it really is. Yeah, absolutely. So um, finally, Bruce, uh, where are you off to yourself? Where do you, where do you, where do you go for your vacations? You I mean, you're obviously living in paradise. Where are you well, off to? Well, I'm going to go to, uh, my next trip will actually be to the world's second paradise, which is Yorkshire. <laughs> for me the uk version of northern thailand but with slightly better beer um, <laughs> but my next sort of big trip that i'm really wanting to do is a, a motorbike tour in northern india up into the himalaya that that really floats my boat um and then the big one is i think i may have said this to you years ago i've always wanted to drive from thailand to the uk um so i think i might have to take one of our tuk-tuks out of commission and uh um, and drive her back to the, back to Yorkshire. So keep, keep your eyes peeled for that one. That would be sensational. You'd, you'd obviously you'd have to do some kind of video or podcast coverage for that. Because uh, well, I'd have to justify it somehow. But yes, I would. Yeah. That would be that would be sensational. I'd certainly love to uh, to hear all about that.
Yeah, ho hopefully. Fingers crossed. Um, fingers crossed that will be on the cards in the next couple of years or so. Super. Well, listen, Bruce, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to speak with us today. Uh, the Tuk Tuk Club is an absolutely fantastic scheme, and I, I'd absolutely love to, uh, to take one of the trips one day myself. And I would urge all of the listeners out there to have a look at the Tuk Tuk Club com website uh, see what it's all about uh, for yourself as well and follow them on instagram and facebook um and uh, yeah try try this authentic uh, way of experiencing the true culture of northern thailand on tuk tuk so bruce Thank th thanks a million again and uh, look forward to hearing about your next adventures uh, if indeed you do go overland from thailand to the uk we'd love to hear all about it okay we'll be in touch yet thanks a million and there you have it if, like me, you're now keen to take a tuk-tuk tour of northern Thailand, you can visit the Tuk Tuk Club at thetuktukclub.org and also follow them on Facebook and Instagram. My huge thanks again to today's guest, Bruce Haxton, for sharing his insights with us on this brilliant destination and indeed concept. As always, if you have any feedback or if there's a destination which you'd like to see featured in this series, please do email us at lowseasontraveler at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to share it with your friends and social networks. Please do subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes or Spotify or however else you receive your podcasts. And we've also got some brilliant podcasts coming up in the very near future, including Kashitse, Nuremberg, Bhutan, the Seychelles, Fiji, Okinawa, and Malta. Remember, they're free for everyone, as we believe that travel is better without the crowds. <laughs>